I love this time of year, and um, I, I enjoy the, uh, the the Christmas songs, the music, and and I enjoy this time of year. Looking back on my life, it was a happy time throughout the years, and uh, a lot of good memories that were established, and. Um, a lot of good uh, experiences around Christmas time. And I enjoy this time of year uh, regarding Christmas in the church as well. And we've had some wonderful times of fellowship at different homes. At uh, Sister Lee's, she and Brother Tom would cook great big pots of soup and we'd go over and visit in their home and sing hymns and go to. Uh, Sister Rebecca and Sister Peggy's and sing hymns and fellowship, go to the nursing homes and Steve and Kathy Parker. And we enjoyed those times and those were special. And we look forward to being able to experience some of that again. But the real reason that I enjoy this time of the year is because it uh, I love little babies. I get so excited when these new moms bring in uh, these precious new little gifts that God's given them. And the greatest gift of all that we have is the gift of this little precious babe, Jesus Christ. And so I'd like to look at the birth of Christ. You just see in it the miracles of God all throughout leading up to and including the birth of Jesus Christ. We focus on a lot about the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. But this time of the year as a whole, probably more than any other time of the year, folks are reminded about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't have any uh, concrete evidence that His birth occurred on the 25th of December, but certainly this time of the year. And the most important thing is that Jesus Christ was born. There's a verse in Luke chapter 1, and Luke chapter 1 talks a lot about uh, leading up to the birth of Christ in and, and chapter 2, and, and it gives a, probably a more detailed account than the other Gospels do. But it says something right here, right in the middle of chapter 1 that is just a really good verse for us to all hold on to, especially right now with uh, all the challenges that we see around us with all the things that look like you know they're hopeless or that just getting worse in so many areas it seems like there's a portion of a verse and it's, it's uh, referring to some of the Experiences that happened here in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. But it can be carried even further than that. It says in Luke chapter 1 verse 37, For with God, now it clarifies it as we start looking, that it doesn't mean with us, it doesn't mean with our friends or family or parents or children. But it clarifies who this is with. It says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So you're probably already thinking about some things that in your mind look like they're totally impossible. 
and probably they are if we limit them to our abilities or the abilities of others. But we should be reminded, as we're taught here, that with God, there's not anything that's impossible. So a great principle that is taught here. Uh, When Abraham and Sarah conceived a child, the question was asked, is there anything that's too hard for the Lord? And this was in their old age, past the age of childbearing. And you'll see that that also uh, applies here to Zacharias and Elizabeth as well. In Luke chapter 1, the account that's given right here tells us the purpose of it. For as much as ye have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they were delivered them unto us, and from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. He's saying some of the folks that were giving accounts were eyewitnesses of some of what's uh, pinned down and preserved for us today. It says, It seemed good for me also, having a perfect understanding of all things, and from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So what we have before us, especially in chapters 1 and 2, is the coming of the birth of the Messiah who was foretold in the Old Testament times by the prophets of old leading up to and pointing toward the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. And we're taught that Luke was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these uh, records down, to record these records And that it is to uh, it is for the purpose of declaring the things that are most surely believed among us. So when you hear these truths, there's uh, there's eyewitnesses that uh, that were there when it actually happened. And we have their accounts. We have the account that Luke was inspired by God to write. And then we have the other gospels and we have what the Apostle Paul taught us. That just reaffirm and clarify for us what happened in the birth of Jesus Christ. So if you want to go through and read along in chapter 1 and chapter 2, it begins to tell about Zacharias and Elizabeth. And they were well stricken in years. It says they were both now well stricken in years. And if you uh, look at uh, John Gill's commentary on uh, Zacharias when it says that he was well stricken in years, in uh, John Gill's commentary, it meant that he was past 60 years of age. I was pretty depressed when I saw that. So it says they were both well stricken in years. The account was that uh, his wife was in her uh, possibly 80s and past, it says, the age of childbearing. 
And it says that in describing it, it says, and they both walked righteous before God. Now, that's a real good description and a real good compliment that they walked righteous before God. It doesn't say that they walked righteous before others and walked righteous before men. Doesn't mean that they were perfect and sinless, but it meant that they had their focus and their desire set on serving the Lord. And he says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, and they were yet blameless. And it meant that they were they had their sights set on serving the Lord. They were committed to serving the Lord. And in the eyes of God, who sees and knows everything, it says they walked righteous before God. It says Elizabeth had no children because she was barren. And they were both now well stricken in years. And it comes on down and it says that an angel of the Lord appeared unto Zacharias. It says that as he was presenting an offering, it says in the temple, it said that the angel of the Lord uh, standing on the right side of the altar of the incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear came upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Now, I think this is a point that's worthy to consider. I seriously doubt that Zacharias, with his wife, the age she was, was still praying for a son. Probably those prayers that Zacharias had prayed for a son, for a child, had happened Many years in the past. Here's a good example for us that God doesn't always answer our prayers immediately. And God doesn't always answer our prayers on our time frame. But reference was made to the prayers that Zacharias had prayed very likely many, uh, many times in years past. And all of a sudden God is saying, All right, your prayer is heard. The angel is answering and saying your prayer has been heard. And then he begins to uh, elaborate on it. He says, thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. So you remember the, the text that we looked at says that there's not anything that's impossible for God. We're about to see something happen that would be impossible under man's standards, but certainly not impossible under God's standards. Reason I don't think Zacharias was still praying that his wife would bear a son is that when the angel told him about it, he was surprised. Now, sometimes we pray and we think we go through the motions, praying, believing. And then sometimes when God actually hears our prayer and answers our prayer, we're totally taken back and we're totally surprised. But we shouldn't be. So let's look at what happens. It says, and thou shalt, he says, thou shalt call his name John. So the angel Named their child. This is important because you'll see that uh, when the family and friends came around, they thought that he should be named Zacharias. And clearly the angel declared the name that he was to have. It says, and the angel said, and thou shalt have joy and gladness. 
And he says, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Now, there's something to be said right there. We believe that the scriptures teach in the immediate regeneration by the Holy Spirit of God. At some point between conception and death in our life. When he refers to being quickened or made alive in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 where he says and you have the quickened uh, who were dead in sins it means that he made us alive right here we're given the insight we're delivered the message from the angel that was given to Zacharias that the son would be filled with the Holy Ghost it says even from his mother's womb Now, I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of information that parents probably seek after on behalf of their children. But this is probably the best information that could have ever been given to a father or a mother to declare with certainty and assurance that your child is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm sure that as parents pray for their children, they pray that God give them evidences of the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of their children. I mean, no doubt you want your children to do well as they grow up. No doubt you want them to excel and to uh, excel in their education and in their life. And you want them to be blessed and you want God to bless their efforts and their provisions. And you want them to be able to provide for their families. And and you pray on behalf and you pray that God will bless them with good health and, and, and a good mind and a long life. But the greatest blessing of all is that you could have assurance that God, through the evidence that he gives you, that your children are blessed with the Holy Spirit. And he says right here that John was blessed from his mother's womb. That's a great, that had to be a great encouragement to uh, Zacharias to not only know that you're going to have a child, you're going to have a son, even in your wife's old age years, you're going to have a son. But your son is called by God, going to be used by God, is filled with the Holy Spirit by God. What a great encouragement to the parents. And it says, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Basically saying God is going to use him. God is going to call him and use him. And this had to be a great blessing. To his father. And he shall go before him in the spirit of Elias and to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John, and we see that this is the beginning of the miracles that continue on through the birth of Christ. John is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. John was born about six months before Christ, and he is referred to as the forerunner of Christ. Now look at how Zacharias answered here. Zacharias answered the angel, and he said, Whereby shall I know this? He, The angel was telling him, um, 
he was taking heed to the angel. The angel was telling him, but he wanted more of a sign than what the angel was giving him. Zacharias said unto him, whereby shall I know this? And then he begins to reason it out. And there's some things that you just can't rationalize uh, the way that we would rationalize them. We, you can't just them the way that, justify them the way that we might try to justify them. Because oftentimes, God's ways are different than our ways. And God's ways are higher than our ways. And here's one situation that it was. Zechariah says, how can this be? He says, whereby shall I know this? He says, is, is there a sign? How am I going to know this? He says, for I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. He's basically saying, how can this be? It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Is there a sign? So you'll see that Zacharias, even when he was delivered the message by the angel, he had doubts about it. He had uh, a season of unbelief. And you'll see what happened as a result of it right here. It says, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. Wow. So the angel that delivered the message to Zacharias said, I am Gabriel. I'm the angel that stands in the very presence of God. And he said, and I am, I'm sent. He sent by God to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Now, I think that's really, it, it sort of sets the stage for us right here. He says, this is glad tidings. The message of John coming as the forerunner of Christ. The message of John being born from aged parents. He says, this is good news. This is glad tidings. The message of the coming of the Christ child, of the Messiah. He says, it's good news. These are good tidings. I have to tell you, I have a tendency that I prefer to hear good news. I prefer to hear glad tidings. Uh, it encourages me. It helps me along the way. And everything there is about the coming of the Christ child and the Messiah is good news. It's glad tidings. You'd hear a whole lot. In fact, if you hear or watch news at all, there's very little of it that's good news. Well, right here is some good news for the child of God. And it just gets better and better. So let's go through and just, just quickly see the, uh, the experience of Zacharias, of Elizabeth. It says right here that thou, the, the angel declared this. And he says, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which should be fulfilled in their season. So Zacharias experienced being uh, chastened by God for not believing the angel as he came unto him. Zacharias began to try to reason and rationalize it based on his own experience and say, this seems like that it almost would be impossible based on having an aged husband and wife. So it says, you're going to be 
Um, you're not going to be able to speak. You're going to be dumb, not able to speak until these things be fulfilled. It says, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass, as soon as his days of ministration were accomplished, he departed into his own house. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And it says, and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God again unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we see that the same angel that delivered the message to Zechariah is now going to deliver a message to Mary. And it says that in the sixth month that the angel was sent from God unto Galilee named uh, a, a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. So we see that the angel Gabriel delivered the message to Zechariah and now is going to deliver another message to Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, Mary was blessed and favored by God because God chose to bless Mary to have the birth of the Christ child. We'll see how it happens here in just a minute. And it says, when she saw him, she was troubled. It says, when she saw him, she was troubled. Uh, when, when she saw the angel, Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and, and cast in her mind, what manner of salutation should this be? Uh, almost had the exact same response as far as being fearful when the message came from Gabriel for Zechariah. And now it's coming to Mary, says her first response. She was troubled and it says the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and thou shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. So Matthew's account explains it this way in one verse. In Matthew chapter 1, he tells us the purpose of the coming of Jesus Christ. It says, but while he thought on these things, behold, verse, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, it gives the account here. And then there's one verse that we want to really uh, hold on to. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Ghost. Matthew's account uh, begins to describe the conception and how it was happening and how that it was such a miracle that it would take place in, uh, in Mary. 
And then here is the message that was delivered from the angel unto Joseph for the purpose of the Christ child. And she shall bring forth a son. First of all, he says, the child is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And it says, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. So the angel delivers the entire purpose of the birth of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is going to be born of a virgin birth. And that Jesus Christ is coming for a purpose. And that purpose is that Jesus Christ, he doesn't say that he's going to save everybody. It says that Jesus Christ is going to save his people from their sins. You might say, well, who are his people? Those are the ones whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life from before the foundation of the world. Those are the elect family of God. They're referenced as being as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands in the seashore. So although it doesn't tell us how many are included in the family of God, it tells us right here and we have encouragement and assurance that the family of God is a large family. Some people like to try to put folks in a certain box or a certain category. And they narrow down oftentimes the size of the family of God. God has a large family. God has a big family. And Jesus Christ came for the purpose of saving every single one that was included in that family. In fact, he came to save those that his father had given him to save. It's a large group. The angel gives us this message as he's Telling this to Joseph. So it says the angel says to her. He says Mary you found favor with God. And, and you'll conceive in thy womb. And thou shalt bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give him the throne uh, of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, saying, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? Where, uh, where Zacharias wanted a sign, Mary is, is just simply asking, How is this going to be? She said, I, I, I'm not married. I, I've not been with man. How is this going to be? And so the angel begins to declare the miracle of it right here. And it says, the angel answered unto her and said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. So here The angel is declaring exactly how it's going to happen, exactly what's going to take place and exactly who it is that she is going to be uh, uh, carrying as child. And it says that it's the son of almighty God. And he says, Mary, you're highly favored by God. Now, we don't 
worship Mary. We don't praise Mary. We thank God for Mary. But Mary was a sinner like we are. Yet God favored her in blessing her to carry the Christ child. Then Mary, with great excitement, remember when she saw the angel at first, she was fearful. It says, uh, then she behold and said, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then that's where our verse comes in. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Wonder why he put that verse in there. Probably because when folks would read this, when folks would hear this account, they'd probably think that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like that could even be possible. So we're encouraged with God. All things are possible. It says Mary arose in those days and went to the city in haste under the city of Judea and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. I love this account right here. This is such a great description of what was taking place and the excitement that they had. And by the way, this is a joyous time and it's supposed to be a joyous time. It's supposed to be a time of good news and glad tidings. It's supposed to be a happy time. And we as God's people, we as God's children, we as the elect family of God, those that have been quickened by the spirit of God, it is good news. It's a joyous time. We love to read about it. We love to sing about it. We love to preach about it. So it says Mary went in haste. I think that's a description of her excitement. Mary went in haste to the, the house of Zacharias and she saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. Now, we were already told by the angel delivering the message to Zacharias that his son was going to be filled with the Holy Ghost even while he's still in his mother's womb. And right here, we've got an evidence of that fulfillment. I love this right here. It says, as Mary came to Elizabeth, and as she began to share her report, it says, the babe, that is John. It says, the babe leaped for joy. It says, "The, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost that says the babe leaped in her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. John, in some fashion, in some manner, with the news of the coming of the Christ child, there was excitement and joy in the being of John, even though he was in his mother's womb. And is that not the experience for the child of God that's been filled with the Holy Ghost? That every time you hear about Jesus Christ, the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ being on the right hand of the father. Aren't you kind of like John was? You're filled with joy. 
it says that he it was even noticeable. Uh, Verse 44 even highlights it a little bit more. And it says, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears. And you say, well, how is this possible? Well, it's not impossible with God. And we have evidence that clearly it happened right here. It says, for as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe, John, in my womb, it says, leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her of the Lord. And then Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his head maiden and behold from henceforth and all generations shall call me blessed. She is giving her uh, account of rejoicing. It's, it, it goes on down. And it's really, really good. Of, and you could you could go through and read this. I want to get over to the birth of Christ in chapter two, and so we're going to kind of skip on through for just a, uh, for time's sake. But he goes on to say that when when John was born, you can go over into the latter part of the chapter. It says that uh, when John was born, that the friends and family came together, and they they called him Zacharias after his father's name. And his mother answered, and she said, not so, for he shall be called John. Gabriel had given them the account and named their son. And then they said unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his fathers. How would he have him to be called? So they really still doubted it when uh, Elizabeth told them, said his name is John. And the family and friends that were there, they wrote on a tablet for John and they said, what do you want to call him? What's his name? And it says that um, he asked for a writing tablet, that he asked for the writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. And it says and they all marveled and his mouth, Zacharias, was immediately opened and his tongue loosed and he spake and he praised God. It goes on down and it continues to tell you about the purpose of John being the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll go over to chapter 2 and look at the birth, this unique situation of the birth of Christ. It says in chapter 2, verse 4, and... They went up to the city to be taxed. And Joseph went up also from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, because, uh, which is called Bethlehem, because was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Just about to the time of the birth of the child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered 
He says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, this is um, an unusual way that a child would be born, but it would certainly be a strange or unusual way for a king to be born. And it would certainly be a strange way for the Son of God to be born. You would think that one would expect that it would have been in the finest of lodging with all the comforts and conveniences that life had to offer at that time. But that wasn't so. Jesus Christ, even from His birth, even from the example of the way that He was born, of the meager way that Jesus Christ was born, He came for the purpose of being a servant. Jesus Christ was a servant of many. He wasn't born in great splendor, in great wealth. Yet, He owned it all. Look at how it takes place. She brought her first she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Now what's a manger? There's some folks that spent some time on a farm. I think it's like a feeding trough. Uh, and this was the this was the bassinet that Jesus Christ was laid in. And it says that there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Isn't it amazing that when God shows His presence in some fashion, it doesn't even have to be in a big way, that our first response, their response, Mary's response, Zacharias' response was that of fear. And yet the angel comes along and in every case calms our fears. Did you know that that's one of the purposes of God's word is to calm our fears? A whole lot of folks like to motivate and like to control from a fear-based strategy. But that's not how God is doing it. And that's not how he did it right here. And he says, the angel said unto them, fear not. He says, for I behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then he wraps it up right here. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he says, and this shall be the sign unto you that ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So here we have the accounts. We have the account of the angel Gabriel. We have the experience of Zacharias and Elizabeth in the birth of John. And then we have the account of Jesus Christ being born 
uh, from a virgin birth of the Holy Spirit. And then it says that it's not only recognized by the angel of God, but it says that on top of all that, that there is a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. It's interesting that Jesus Christ, that the birth of Jesus Christ, it was confirmed by those that were around. It was confirmed by Gabriel. It was there was uh, it was confirmed by the Holy Ghost in the life of John, even while yet in his mother's womb. And yet it's even confirmed by the host in heaven, praising God at the birth of Jesus Christ. It says, and suddenly there was an angel, the multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Two more accounts of the confirmation of the birth of Christ. There was an old man named Simeon, and he was told in this latter part of the chapter that he would not see death until he saw and witnessed the Christ child. And when Christ was born and they placed the child in Simeon's arms, he recognized that it was the fulfillment of the prophecy that he had been told that he would see the Christ child. And he said, I'm ready to go on and be with the Lord. I've seen this fulfillment. And then there was one more witness. And it says that there was a widow named Anna. She's very, very old. Uh, uh, she says she was a widow of four score and four years, 84 years. She's older than that, probably over 100 that had been praying and serving in the temple of God and longing for the coming of the Messiah. And God blessed her to witness the birth of the Christ child. It was good news to them as they looked forward to it. It was good news to those that were looking for the coming of the Messiah. And it's great news for us because... When so many things around us look hopeless or discouraging, we can be reminded that Jesus Christ may have seemed like it was impossible with man, but it was not impossible with God that Jesus Christ was born. And if Jesus Christ went through this miraculous birth of being born of the Holy Spirit of God, then every single purpose that Christ had to fulfill that he fulfilled it for God. God called Christ for a purpose and he was born for that purpose. And he lived a life on this earth. He's the only one that lived a sinless life. Nobody else but Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ came for the purpose of bearing our sins. And our sins were placed upon him and he went to the cross and he gave up his life for the sacrifice of our sins. A sacrifice that we couldn't even make. We didn't have the ability to. And the good news is, you know, it would have just been one thing if Christ had taken and borne our sins and taken them to the grave. And taken our sins with him to the grave. And if that was the end of the story, that in itself would have been a blessing to know that our sins had been paid for. But the good news is that Jesus Christ didn't stay in the grave. 
But he arose from the grave. And that Jesus Christ is the one that's setting the example for you and I. And so, one of these days, if we live long enough, Brother Phil said this morning his family had been coming up the same road, Morris Mill Road, for 85 years to come here to Mount Carmel Church. Well, one of these days we're probably going to pass from this life like all of his parents and grandparents. But the good news is that as Christ arose, that he's promised that he's coming back for us. All this started and hinged on the prophecies in the Old Testament, but it began to be fulfilled in the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ finished it, and it will be completed in us when He takes us on home to glory. He tells us that we're going to be in a glorified state. Uh, I can tell you from my own standpoint, there's still some changes that need to be made in me. And that change is coming one of these days when we lay this sinful body down and He comes back to call us home, take us on home. We're going to be changed and made like Jesus Christ and live with Him forever and ever. It all started with the birth of Jesus Christ. And His birth was designed in a miraculous way as well as all of His life. May God bless you.